0: Welcome to the Equipping Podcast. My name's Karen Hinson, and I'm here in a closet (laughs) with my co host. No, my co host is not in the closet. What the heck? I need to reshape. Go back.
1: (laughs) That might be the greatest
0: one. Welcome to the Equipine Podcast. My name is Karen Henson, and I'm here with my co-host, Nathan Wagnon.
1: What's up, Karen?
0: How's it going?
1: Where are you right now?
0: Right now, I'm in my parents' closet in Tyler, Texas. (laughs) It's a very specific location.
1: Why are you in a closet?
0: I was told that this would be a good place for remote recording, Uh and now I'm just starting to think it's a cruel joke. (laughs)
1: Uh, It is better for recording and also it is kind of a joke as well, but yeah, yeah, that's awesome. What are we we, we doing today?
0: Today we are with our friends from The Bible Project, Tim and John, as we are going to talk through some keys for understanding the scriptures. And I'm so excited. We normally just get to hear them uh, talk theology and now we get to hear some more of their heart. So hope you all enjoy this conversation.
1: We are back this week with our friends out in Portland, Oregon at the Bible Project. We got Tim Mackey and John Collins on the phone with us. Guys, thanks for being back with us. We appreciate it.
2: Totally. Yeah.
1: So, we ended the last conversation last week just talking about how y'all's tool, these videos that you're doing, and then some of the stuff that you're working on, kind of the other wing of the plane, has really been helping people. Understand the story of scripture. And so, if somebody goes on BibleProject.com, one of the first things they're going to see is that you guys are trying to communicate one unified story of scripture that has Jesus as the centerpiece. Yeah. And so, why do you think it's so important for people to understand that meta narrative or kind of the broad story, the overarching story of scripture? Why is that so critical to people's? understanding what the Bible is about?
3: Well, maybe one illustration that I've used in different ways that's kind of meta on the whole thing is it's similar to if you were given a cookbook with lots of recipes about how to like make your favorite recipes, what have you. But what if your question in coming to the cookbook was, what I actually want to do is plant a vegetable garden Mm. to grow the things that I could make with this uh, recipe book. So that's cool. I'm glad that the recipe book inspired you to plant a vegetable garden. But if you then tried to make the recipe book give you information on how to grow a garden, you're just you're making the wrong tool do the wrong thing. Yeah, you
1: need to pick up a different book. Yeah,
3: yeah, totally. And you're gonna miss what the recipe book is actually trying to do. Roger that. And so I think it's very similar with the Bible. Is that we the Christian tradition trains us, especially in modern American settings to approach the Bible, to ask it to do things that, for the most part, it actually isn't designed to do. Mm. So not only are we not doing with it what it's designed to do, we're missing what it is actually doing. Mm. That's like a little parable, so to speak. Um, so really, it's about learning how to tune our ears and our expectations to what the biblical authors themselves care about and what they're trying to communicate. And I still remember, I started reading the Bible in my 20s. And I started with the four Gospels because I liked Jesus. That's why I started. That's a good way to start. That's why I started. (laughs) And uh, I remember both like a symphony. I could hear the music. Mm -hmm. I could see Jesus. But I could also tell that I was actually missing most of what's going on here. Because so why is Jesus always quoting from this first part of the book that Mm -hmm. I really don't understand? Why is he cursing towns and saying all the? I'll just go with love your neighbor as yourself yeah. and like, like maybe skip forward to the cross. Yeah. Mm. Um. So the gospels are presenting Jesus as the climactic moment of a long, complex backstory that they're constantly alluding to, and it it hit me that Jesus only makes the sense that he does when you see him as the culmination to a particular story. Yeah. And it turns out that it's the story that. The, what we call the Old Testament, what the authors really, really care about. And it starts on page one, uh, with God in the creating. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Yeah, with Genesis one, that God orders the cosmos so that he can rule it through his image bearing representatives, Mm. the humans. The humans take the project off track, introducing a whole lot of pain. And so the, the whole story is essentially about how God is going to somehow get a kind of human in his creation that can be the humanity and the representatives that he made them to be so that creation can be what he made it to be. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially the story that the gospel authors see Jesus fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it's incredibly important that we get Jesus Whatever problem he's solving should be the problem that the story is actually about. Yeah. Uh, I think the challenge is when we turn Jesus into the solution of a problem that's more kind of our modern understanding of what Christianity is or ought to be. Yeah. And it comes disconnected from the actual biblical story. Mm. And so we're making the recipe book turn into a farmer's almanac. Mm. And it's like, I get, you could do that if you want. It's just you're not going to have a lot of success. Yeah,
1: good luck growing that stuff.
3: When people actually start to read the recipe book, they're going to be like, "This doesn't say what you say it says." Right. <laughs> I think this is a recipe book, not a yeah. of of that. And and then there you go.
1: A uh, mentor of mine, long time ago, I was studying hermeneutics or methodology for Bible study, and I remember him telling me where he just said, "Hey Nathan, one of the primary keys to this is to read the Scripture, and the question you need to be asking is." what is the question that this is trying to answer Yeah, yeah. and then ask that question. That's right. Yeah. And that goes way back. I mean, Aristotle said in metaphysics that if you want to get somewhere, then you have to start by asking the right preliminary question. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people who just come to the text with all of the wrong questions. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's malicious at all. I mean, I, I think that they're coming to it, not really knowing what the right question is. And yet, like you said Tim it is trying to answer a specific question actually multiple questions but um, yeah yeah that's right
4: was there a point in time do you think that we started becoming really ill equipped to to know the story of scripture was there a point where it was like all of a sudden people just don't understand god's word or has that happened consistently over time because as we work in the church we work in our equipping ministry people come and have no idea what the bible is about is that cultural is that modern or has that been going on for a while
3: yeah, I, I think if uh, the letters of the apostles are in the
0: <laughs>
3: it's been a challenge from the very beginning. Yeah. yeah, Christianity is, what we call Christianity is the outgrowth of a Jewish messianic movement that began in Galilee and Jerusalem in the first century. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, very quickly, because of the story that it was announcing, Spread beyond that cultural setting, that time and cultural setting mm-hmm. out into the broader Greek and Roman world, then into the East and West. And, and so ever since then, a huge part of the Christian mission is to translate this very particular story about a specific family living in the ancient theories mm-hmm. and what God has been doing in and through them to try and help invite the whole world to see that the creator God has been at work in this very specific culture and people. Mm -hmm. And so there's a culture gap that has existed between Christians and the story of Israel from the very beginning. We're also at a very well-attuned moment in Western culture because whether or not Western culture actually practices cultural diversity well, it's in theory a value that people want to have that I will honor a different culture's way of seeing the world and living and trying to understand it mm. without imposing my culture upon it. Mm. Yep. So, you know, let's adopt a similar strategy to say that the Bible comes to us. God has chosen to inspire by his spirit and speak to people of all places and all times through a very specific people, language, and culture. And so let's, um, like you would fly to France, you know, get a phrase book. <laughs> yeah. And maybe yeah. read the Wikipedia page about yep. the places that you're going, and don't just land and look for the McDonald's.
1: Yeah, there's a buddy of mine that calls really. I mean, in any kind of not just conversation in France, if you're on the streets of Paris or whatever, but with any kind of uh, literature that you're coming to, it's a cross-cultural experience. It's a cross-cultural yes. conversation. Yes, and so just like you don't go into a you know someone's home that you're visiting in Beijing and just mow over all of their culture, you also don't do that with the text Mm -hmm. when you come to it, which is a good leeway into the next question I wanted to talk to you about. And that really for both of you guys, what are some of those keys that you have identified when you come to a text that's maybe confusing or you're just like, man, this is just odd. What are some of those keys that allow you to work through it um, to maintain cultural sensitivity and also provide clarity for somebody who thinks like a Westerner?
2: Man, there's so, so much. Um, I think one, well, okay, so one of the keys for, that's been really helpful for me, if we take a big step back, before you even get to a passage, this book is both human and divine. And we've been talking about that, mm-hmm. which is, I grew up in a religious tradition that really emphasized its divinity. It's God's word to you. And any sense of that there's a human shape to it, that human authors, human intention, the design, was scandalous. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't think of it as literature because literature is a human thing. And so that first paradigm of just this is literature, and then knowing what type of literature you're in. The Bible has all sorts of different genres of literature. It has ancient law code. It has narrative. It has poetry specifically Hebrew poetry, which works different than Western poetry, modern Western poetry. Um, It's got letters, first century letters from apostles to early churches. And we can appreciate the fact that you read uh, the newspaper different than you read Grisham novel, different than you read a Facebook post, Mm -hmm. um, because those are different genres of literature. So that's another key. And then once you get there, you're going to be in a passage and you're still going to if you're like me, you're still going to get really confused all the time, especially <laughs> when you're like the prophets or something. <laughs> and I think that what's been helping me is kind of learning this tool set of biblical themes, that there's these motifs. It's usually explored through a key set of vocabulary, what Tim likes to call design patterns often, um, and that every biblical author is attuned to these. And these are all keys of sorts. Um, and one big one is one we've talked about a little bit, which is that God created us as his image mm-hmm. to rule the earth with us. And you can trace that theme throughout scripture and you can see how the different biblical authors are developing that theme. And then you can see how Jesus becomes the climax of that theme. Mm-hmm. So we actually, one of the things we do is we have a whole series of videos that we call the theme videos mm-hmm. that trace all of these I think those are really helpful. Hmm. Uh, Tim, why don't you? Is there anything <laughs> else? Here, you know? uh, I was just going to go through our library videos all of a sudden.
1: Video one. Yeah. <laughs> Video two.
3: Yeah. Um, I think the for me, and this is like very personally, ancient cultural context, getting familiar with that. Hmm. It's the equivalent of learning something about France before you go there. Yep. That's helpful. Though that's a pretty open ended. Set of topics. Yeah. You know, there's almost no end to that. Language, you know, but not everybody, in fact, not very many people should <laughs> mm-hmm. learn ancient Hebrew. Yeah. I think it's really cool, but I don't think that everybody has to learn it. But for me, the most transformative set of tools that has been what John just talked about is that the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament are really work a lot like a symphony or think of uh, a set of movies or like this designed as a trilogy or let's even say three trilogies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who would do that? Who would do that? <laughs> yeah, now you're talking about uh, George Lucas. But in,
3: in large, epic works of artistic communication, to keep it from being a sprawling, unorganized mass of scenes and stories, what a good communicator will do was start to weave in repeated patterns. Mm. And so there's a certain melody that's associated with a character. And then throughout the whole thing, You'll hear a certain music and you'll see a certain face and now oh, okay, we're doing that person and that right, motif right, now right. through all work.
1: And there's signals to that in scripture. So like totally. when you hear dun 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 yeah. dun dun, dun, dun totally. then you think yeah, Darth right. Vader, you know, yes. like no, that's exactly right. yeah, it's not yeah. just the text, it's the music around it. You know, it's that's the exactly way that right. the story is being told.
3: That's right. So it, it really comes down to learning how the biblical authors use language. Mm. To craft their argument and the themes and ideas that they're trying to put forward through repetitive patterns and and the brilliant thing about it is the melody key I don't even know what to use it it's like the little index of core melodies or themes is all given you in about the first ten pages of the book of Genesis yeah that's crazy and then the rest of the Bible and the new testament old testament New Testament just develop uh, the themes, and when you learn How to read the Bible that way, when you come to like the four gospels about Jesus, it's like going to maybe a, like a Beethoven symphony Mm -hmm. with like a music historian, Yeah, (laughs) you know, and I can sit there and enjoy it and have no clue what's actually happening. Mm. (laughs) And my friend will be like, oh, did you hear that piece?
1: He notices all the subtleties. Yeah.
3: Stuff like that. And so that is how the stories about Jesus work in the New Testament. They're culminating through their vocabulary. All kinds of uh what I call hyperlinks, like on a web page. Mm-hmm, yeah, right. Hyperlinking Jesus; he's the ultimate priest, the ultimate prophet, the ultimate sacrifice. He's, you know, the the new Abraham, the new Adam, and mm. but it's just through sophisticated use of language yeah, yeah, yeah. that they do it. So, to me, that's been the most exciting key. Mm. It really brings clarity to some of the most bizarre things in the mm. Bible that I thought. Were, we're meaningless. Yeah. I thought, why does Samson, like, rip the city gates off of a town and go to the <laughs> top of the hill in the middle of the night? You know what I mean? And you're just like, oh, that whole little scene is a total, like, musical riff off of the parting of the seas, the two walls of the sea <laughs> in the middle of the night mm-hmm. uh, and going up to the high place of dry ground. And he's performing an exodus deliverance for the people. And it's just a little bizarre little story but it uses all the vocabulary of the Exodus parting through the sea narrative. That's and, that's how, and all of it works. Like mm. It actually all makes sense if we learn how to put on the right set of glasses. Okay, sorry, you get me going. Then, like.
2: no, good. <laughs> and that kind of leads us to another key of sorts that's been helpful for me, which is that um, the Bible is Jewish meditation literature is a phrase mm. I think you Mm-hmm. Point. Uh, um, well, it's actually Psalm one's phrase you
3: know. <laughs> yeah. Psalm okay 1. we'll let
1: that we'll let the Psalter have it
2: yeah that's right. yeah and I grew up thinking that the Bible is supposed to be this just quick hack way for me to like get my day started or learn something about God apply it really quick and um, level up in my spirituality yeah. and so devotional times were really this pragmatic like what can I apply to my life today and what can I
1: change? Yeah, it's like formulaic. Like, I read this, I do it, therefore I become a better Christian or something like that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And this other vision of someone who has a lifetime of just letting these stories Mm -hmm. unfold in your imagination and in your heart day after day, slowly. And I think that that, for me, is kind of a breath of fresh air of just Mm -hmm. kind of like, I'm just going to let this do to me what it wants to do by just being saturated in it over a lifetime. Every year there'll be something new and it will take a lifetime of discovery and you won't even mine its depths. Mm.
1: Well, I think you just described the process of spiritual formation. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, a
1: agree. Yeah, agree. So good job oh, well agreed. that's yeah. so
4: helpful to remember in the culture that we live in that you come to the text you rub it like a magic genie and yeah, you yeah, expect yeah, it to yeah, do something yeah. for you but <laughs> some of what I hear you saying is that yes it does take some work it takes a little bit of effort to be able to understand the themes to be able to back up and understand the context but ultimately it is the Holy Spirit that is going to oh, do the holy. work
1: yeah as you sit in it yeah. Yeah, yeah, and
4: so y'all have both done the work. You've spent years studying God's word. You've plumbed its depths. What are some of the biggest takeaways through your time at the Bible Project, translating the story of scripture into these short videos? What have you learned?
3: Hmm. Maybe one reflection for me has been, um, you know, we've been talking so much about biblical literature. It's really, there's a cultural difference, you know, from our, the way we think and write and so on. However, for all the differences and cultural gaps there are, the basic story that it's telling Mm. is, I I think, the most universal, adaptable, understandable story that you could imagine. And I think it's exactly why the Christian movement is the most globally, ethnically diverse religious movement in the history of the human race. Mm, Because the, the story at its center is the human story. And it, it hits on universal longings, but it does so in the language and storytelling of one particular human culture and, and storyline. But what is any story except inviting you into one particular set of characters? And uh, so when it comes to the human search for meaning, our sense that there is real goodness and beauty, uh, that the world ought to be a more just place that there is someone or something going on around here, (laughs) (laughs) but that's mysterious and don't always get the purpose, that there is a way to be a human being that really would bring ultimate joy and goodness, but it seems inaccessible to me. I mean, these are universal longing. And this is exactly what this story is about. And I think it's why Jesus is such a compelling person at the culmination of it all, yeah, even before i knew any of this when i heard the stories of jesus as a young adult i just was captivated mm-hmm. and you don't need to know anything about ancient hebrew mm-hmm. anything <laughs> just the stories about him are compelling if if we're able to hear them on their own terms
0: yeah
3: that's great so uh, that's one
2: one reflection i have
4: john what about you
2: well coming into this project i well i guess all, all my adult life have felt <laughs> this real this real desire to find meaning in work. And um, I think a lot of people do. I think that's a kind of a, a normal human condition. But I think that's in hyperdrive in the modern world is finding our significance and meaning in, in our work and, and feeling like, okay, I, I love communication. I love explaining things. And I kind of had this dread of having to do a job that I didn't find significance in. And I think we even talked about in the last episode how the Bible isn't – it's not about us. We're not at the center of the universe. God is. It's a story about God. But what's also really pretty radical about the story of the Bible is that God decides, (laughs) this like creative, infinite being who can just order creation with a word, decides he's going to take these dirt creatures and he's going to (laughs) – partner with them Mm -hmm. to rule over his creation. Mm -hmm. And then the psalmist in Psalm 8 goes, you know what's crazy is that he's elevated us even above the other spiritual beings. He cares that much about us. And then this whole relentless pursuit of God throughout the whole story of like trying to make this partnership work that all culminates in Jesus who becomes God becoming human to show us a way out of this mess and become the way Mm -hmm. for us. And um, I think that I've just found so much freedom and just kind of empowerment of sorts of knowing that like God wants to use me. He wants to use my passions and desires, but he needs to, he needs me to trust his wisdom and um, my wisdom has been I need to kind of figure out how to have power and authority over my life so that I'll never be in a place where Mm -hmm. I'm doing something that's not bringing me joy and satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And instead realizing what God wants for all of us is to find joy in him and to partner with us. And this whole story of, of coming to that wisdom and trusting him It's just been this recurring theme throughout all of our conversations. Um, We can call it the image of God. And uh, uh, it's been a beautiful takeaway for me throughout these years. Hmm.
1: I love that, man. Well, I think it's a great place to end our conversation. Just to be reminded that Christianity doesn't primarily call us to an ethical code or a moral code, but actually at its essence is inviting us to participate in the relationship of the triune God. And that we're invited not primarily to do something, although there are things to do. I mean, God has invited us to co-labor with him in his work. But that doing that we're called to do can only come on the other side of being with a person, being indwelt by and empowered by his spirit. And that person is the centerpiece of scripture. Jesus, the Messiah, and uh, it's it's really refreshing not only to see guys who are using their craft in a way that honors God, but also to hear the heart behind mm-hmm. what you're doing. And uh, look, man, people could smell that from a mile away. And I think that that's one of the reasons that the stuff that you guys are producing is catching on, because I think people sense in it a genuine desire to to be curious about the world we live in, to be curious about God. But ultimately, to point people to the one who said, hey, I am the way I am the truth. I am the life. I am the resurrection. I am the life. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. And I think what we see is that he's a good father who loves us. So, yeah, I'm really grateful for you guys. I'm grateful for the ministry you have and, and the way that you're executing it. So thanks for taking the time to be with us here on the Equipping Podcast. Yeah.
3: Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Have a great day, guys.
1: Thanks for listening to the Equipping Podcast. If you like what you heard, then go check out Tim and John at BibleProject.com and go to iTunes and like the episode and leave us a comment and share with your friends all that awesome stuff. And you can also always shoot us an email at EquippingPodcast at Watermark.org. Until next time, peace.
0: Bye.